Uh, preseason, guys. How do we feel? Hockey's back. And we're oh, back. Oh, just splendid. <laughs> oh, I love the discourse around the preseason, guys. <laughs> oh, someone's had a bad first game. Uh, they're busts. Oh, it's a great feeling, isn't it? But it's a mm. sign that the season's coming. Actually, I want to spend the first 30 minutes of the show talking about Dennis Mulgan, uh, if you don't mind. We already discussed a bit about the trade. I really felt that with his return and Mason Marchment in okay, Dallas, right, I think the Leafs enough. won the that's, trade. That's that's uh, yeah. You know, after one preseason game, I can officially say that uh, the Habs won the Mike Matheson trade. As it is no, no, uh, he is nasty. Anyway, uh, no, 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 none of that, none of that. Okay, guys, we have a lot to talk about because since we last recorded, a few things have happened. Uh, first off, uh, there's a new highest-paid player in the league in Nathan McKinnon. We've had a slew of retirements around the league. Uh, everything continues to get worse in Philly. We're going to look up some line combinations for the Habs and Leafs, how we think they're going to look at opening day. Injury sort of shenanigans going on across the league as well, pertaining to Montreal specifically, as well as uh, Toronto. Uh, even though there have been a lot everywhere else, like uh, Brock Besser's out for like four weeks. Unfortunate yeah. for him. Um, but to start, Daniel, Alex and I have a bit of a surprise for you. Okay. So, uh, in the spirit of preseason, uh, you know, I, I want to throw back something new here, Daniel. Uh, of course, you know, you should never take preseason too seriously. And I want to look at the 18-19 season for a second here, Daniel. Do you remember who led the 2018 preseason in scoring? I'll give you a hint. They played for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um... It's not going to be, is it? It's going to be someone random. It is going to be very oh. random. Um, I'll give you two guesses. Okay. Uh, who was on that team? Uh, Josh Archibald? It no. was not Josh Archibald. I don't know if he was at the, on the team at this uh, point. I don't think so. Looking at the roster, okay. I don't think he um, was. Al Montoya was. Wow. What a was it? Back. Wait. Who was on that team? Was, uh, it, Philip, was. was it Philip Nygaard? It was not, no, no, no. Nightguard and, and Yurko are before that. So, okay. it was, he had four games played, 11 points, seven goals. Ty Ratty. Now, Alex, could you please let us know that season? How did Ty Ratty play? Lord, he, in 50 games he played that year, he mm-hmm. had 11 points. Which four, is his, uh, yeah. was his preseason total, by the way. Yeah. He had four oh goals goodness. and seven assists. I remember Tyrati. I remember uh, when they said St. Louis got a steal in the second round. When uh, he finally went to Edmonton, that he's going to find that scoring touch he had with the Portland Winterhawks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'll double check for you. Uh, I remember but he no, was I, he, he was Seth like thirty second overall, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was. Yeah, uh, was Portland. Portland. Yeah, because I remember he he was like he's buddies with Seth Jones. Oh, okay. He was a nasty player in junior. By the Jeff Merrick was definitely a fan of Portland Winterhawks. Ty Ratty uh, definitely knew everything uh, about him. I can't believe you knew he played for the Portland Winterhawks. I'm <laughs> I'm so impressed. I was a little worried that Daniel was going to get it right because if anyone here was going to, <laughs> it was going to be him. Was he ever on the World Junior team? He was. So and yeah, there, there we is. go. Okay, that explains <laughs> that's it. Funny. That's why. That's why Daniel knows. Okay, uh, I guess to start here, we're already in preseason mode. Uh, the Leafs have played a few games so far. I'm two. not going to lie to you. It's two. It was the two in the same uh, day, right? Both uh-huh. against Ottawa for some reason. Yes. Uh, the Canadians have played one against the Devils. 
by the way, the theme of that was good but not good enough, which is probably going to describe their whole season. Uh, shout out to Habs Chronicle for making that joke. I'm not going to steal it. Uh, before we get to that in the injury news, I, this is going to sound like a dumb question, but do you guys have any takeaways from Maple Leafs' first two uh, – the, the Leafs, I should say, first two games of the preseason? At least let's focus on the young guys here. I don't uh, – who cares about how Nylander played, for example? He's making the team. That's not a concern. Okay. I'm going to be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. I did not watch those games because – there was UFT games going on that I had to watch. So I'm just, I'm going to be, I tried, I watched mm-hmm. like five minutes. Then the sports net stream on my computer just didn't want to keep loading. So that didn't happen. But from mm-hmm. what I've read, from what I've read, uh, I believe, well, there was two guys in particular that I just kept reading about, not necessarily young guys. I, I think with this team, um, there's not a whole, there, there's no one. I think, that's young, I guess, if we want to put it, who's going to really take a roster spot other than Nick Robertson, potentially. Um, And we'll get to opening night lineups, but that's one guy I think that stands out. But from what I've read and what I've looked at, it's it's Elias Samsonov and Dennis Mulgan. Like, I know I joked about it, but again, like it's preseason, like take this with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Please. Um, but again, like that's just what's out there. Uh, Daniel, anything to say? Uh, I actually think um Alex previewed a lot of what I had on the notes already. So Nick Robertson, I you know I'm a big fan of him. Uh, also Filipino guy, and I just like that there's a bit more of the attention on what he's done right rather than this is another injury scare. So. I like that he bulked up in the summer. I like that they're going to probably give him a lot of more opportunities to play in the top nine. So there's that. He's still a pretty young guy. And uh, yeah, Liam Samsonov. Uh, I think I posted on the Instagram, but I love his new mask. It's pretty nice. And I like that he's just getting a bit more uh, runs out there that I think there was that plan that they wanted to play him a full 60 minute in a preseason game. So that's pretty good. And <laughs> We're going to get back to him later on, but I think those are the two guys that I actually just like to see uh, them play, and that was nice. Fair enough. Uh, I actually fortunately got to see some of Montreal's game yesterday. Um, I so can't did remember you, the last did time. Did you say I've... fortunately or unfortunately? Uh, fortunately, because it was actually okay. an entertaining game. Okay. See, I the difference that. between last night's game and you know previous preseasons is they actually had young prospects who were exciting. Uh, I normally do not watch preseason because I do not care. Um, but, you know, I was in the position to yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, so I watched it. Uh, and, you know, first off, uh, a guy who I don't know if I talk too much about, but he stood out, he stood out the rookie tournament to the point where they actually end the scrimmage games they had. Uh, they actually played Owen Beck uh, on the top line with Mike Hoffman and Cole Caulfield. Uh, and he looked really good, and he won a lot of faceoffs. Uh, like he was really, he's like continue to be really, really good. And I don't know what it is of Mike Matheson, but he turned into the second coming of Larry Robinson last night. Um, expecting more bit from Slavkovsky, you can tell he's using his body, maybe doing too much. I think something we got to remember about him too is we've got to get him used to North American ice. Um, but a bit more from me, I don't think he looked awful. It was just sort of, you know, see how he continues to go. But you know, I don't get too bothered by preseason games. Uh, Kane Primo was not good. 
he had a very soft goal, which was like, it's getting really hard to defend you, my friend. Um, <laughs> Wait, you yeah. mean your Sefkowski is not a bust? That, uh, no. That no. The, Twitter sphere, the Twitter sphere is wrong. We can and, relax. And you, and you guys know <laughs> I, was, I was against the pick, but I'll, I'll defend him and be like, guys, if we're doing it now, then uh, I don't know. It's I'm really gonna... funny. No, oh, sorry, go on. No, I'm always going to remember uh, at the draft, your mom uh, recording you before the pick was made. I just always going to remember that. And during it. And during, and during it. it, yes. Well, I think you remember because you were supposed to do it and you forgot. I'm sorry. It's okay. We still got <laughs> it. I mean, you know, it's going to be funny if he turns out to be a monster and you just look back at my reaction and I was, uh, was not a fan at the time. I was not a fan at the time. But it'll be for an after video. There we go. Yeah, it was like his first goal, and I'm just losing it. Um, beside that, like I'm just trying to think of who the guys were standing up. Caulfield scored, but it's like ah, that's good. You know, he was making the team. Uh Justin Barrett, I want more from him. Didn't have a great rookie tournament. Um, maybe it's because he's playing next to Mike Matheson. I need we need more from Justin Barrett. Um, again, rookie tournament, but and and preseason, but uh, Justin Barrett. As a guy who, considering the lack of right D they have, has a spot waiting for him. And I think he's getting left in the dust by Kane Gooley right now, who was also monstrous. You remember how, like, Ben Chirot was one of those guys who just cross-checked the dude in the face and dropped him in the crease? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane Gooley did that last night, except he can actually skate, unlike Ben Chirot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, Kane Gooley, who's that mean SOB? Oh, it's Gooley. Uh, the meanness that you hear about in his game is very apparent. But, you know, it was... They lost, which is unfortunate. I wanted overtime really, really badly, but I didn't get it. Um, but yeah, I guess we could talk about how we have opening night rosters looking right now. Um, since we're on the Habs, we can just start with them and then we'll, then we'll go to the Leafs. So right. I have a, a mix of these where, first off, before we go to each line, I'll just sort of update the listeners what injuries are looking like right now. First off, um, Obviously, Paul Byron is not expected back until around two weeks into the season. It's expected. Joel Edmondson is, of course, out indefinitely. Um, don't really know what's going on there. Joss Anderson isn't skating, and apparently they're saying his injury is worse than day-to-day, which was what they thought it was at first. Suzuki, apparently, if there was a game, he would be playing, but they're just being cautious, which you can expect why. Um, and Sean Monahan is skating, and that seems to be it. So, uh, for example, I do not have Joss Anderson, Sean Monahan, Joel Edmondson, Carey Price, obvious reasons, Paul Byron in my lineup, uh, or at least they are unhealthy players. There is one healthy scratch, and we will get to uh, Joel Armia a little later, and uh, I'll do the same thing when we get to the Leafs. But anyway, uh, yeah, this is a mix of stuff I'd like to see and stuff that, based on what we've seen so far, is probably going to happen. Um, you may see some guys playing on their offhand because Marty St. Louis likes doing that. Caulfield's a left winger now, like just that's just how it is. Um, top line, Suzuki, Hoffman, Caulfield. I hate Hoffman's there, and I wish they would stop it. Um, but, you know. Uh, second line, and this is one they're going in the preseason, and I'm okay with a certain player being here instead of on the top line right away. That is two big boys and a boy band member being uh, Kirby Doc, Uri Slavkovsky, and Rem Pitlick. It was pretty interesting, to oh, be honest. Oh, wow. That's um, I know. <laughs> that's Pitlick was kind of like, okay, all right. Uh, Kirby Doc. like this game. A little rusty there, but like Kirby Doc. Laid a really nice head. <laughs> Kirby, yum. Um, like the real Kirby, eating everything, getting powers. Uh, how's it going? Uh, third line, Christian Dvorak, Evgeny Dodonov, and Brendan Gallagher. It's really funny. I had no idea where to put Dodonov or Gallagher. 
Dadonov is apparently a natural right winger despite being a lefty. But I just look at the right wingers and I'm like, I don't know where you want to put him, Marty. So he's the only on the left. They tried Gallagher in left wing last year for a bit. Didn't work, so we're not going to do that. Um, the fourth line, Jake Evans, Jonathan Drew, and Michael Pizzetta. Pizzetta's in right now because of injuries. Evans, if 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 Monaghan is healthy, I think Evans probably goes to the wing. Obviously, he played that in the playoffs before. Uh, and Jonathan Drew, and it's just... I, I just... There, there's just so many spots right now. I had no idea where to put them. Uh, defense is uh, Mike Matheson and Justin Barry, which they've been running with. Um, Chris Weidman is going to be also there. I have two guys playing with him because I think they're at least going to give Caden Gooley a shot, probably do the nine games thing. Um, but maybe then Schooneman takes the spot. Um, the thing with Gooley is, do you want him playing third pair of minutes? Or because I think he's 20. Yeah. I don't think he turns 20, 21 until February. So I don't exactly understand whether he is eligible or not for the CHL. I get it confused. So would you rather either, and if he isn't, would you rather have him play real minutes in Laval or going back to Edmonton, I think, owns his rights? Um, so that's the thing. And then Jordan Harris and David Savard. Uh, Harris also looking very good. Um, and David Savard, like Mike Hoffman, I wish was not around, but he is. Sorry, you uh, had Harris with Savard? Yes. Okay. okay. So I like yes. that mix. And, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, apparently Schooneman, Gooley, and Harris are all comfortable playing on the right in case Barron decides to not play properly. Uh, and then in that is the starter, Jake Allen, with Samuel Montenbeau. Uh, Primo, stay in the AHL. Get the confidence. Get it going. And then come up. For the love of God, I am rooting for you. It's like Jonathan Druin. I just keep saying it's going to pop. Uh, those are my lines. It's pretty funny that... Uh... All your notes you had on Caden Primo, it's like the conversation never changed since what 2018, 2019. That it's uh, just give him enough playing time in the AHL. Let's see what he does coming into training camp, and then it's the same he's, thing again. He's 19, 21, 22. It's he's, he's a goalie, it takes a while. Uh, and I imagine waiting. COVID didn't help. Like yeah, exactly. dealing with that uh development. What what one thing Berger was right with was they wanted to get him like two hundred AHL games. There we go. Um all right, let's hear what you guys have. Um I guess I'll go first. Um so obviously uh goalie Alan Montembo, I get that. I, I that was the easiest decision I made. Um up front, I think I have it a little different. Uh, the new Adam, obviously fourth line, Drew and Evans, Pizzetta. Uh First line, though, I'm going all over the place, but uh, I have Caulfield, Suzuki. I also, but I have Gallagher next to them, just because. I'll tell you why. Because listen, I've been on the bandwagon of putting uh, Caulfield, Suzuki, and Josh Anderson together, which was my plan before I found out Josh Anderson was injured a mere yep. 15 minutes before we started recording. Yeah, uh, that was on me. Um, I just didn't think putting Slavkovsky there. I, I don't know if I'd throw him in that fire to start the season. Um, I have then Dodonov, Dvorak, and Pitlick, uh, Hoffman, Doc, and Slavkovsky to finish out the forward group. Similar to yours. I think there's a few different uh, pieces. I like Dodonov more than I like Hoffman, like just things like that. Um, on the back end, again, Matheson and Barron. Uh, I have, I have Harris and Savard, and then I have Gooley. I think you had Schooneman. 
Uh, Gooley, Wyman, Bachuneman takes Gooley's spot after a nine game. Scratch. Oh, I have, I have, yeah, Gooley and Wyman. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like Gooley. Gooley, I do uh, too. Gooley's a good player. Good player. Good hair too. Good hair. Uh, Daniel, how do you feel? I, I, I like you know, the great thing about Montreal right now is we're all going to have different forward combinations. It's just like, yeah. what are we doing here? <laughs> so yeah, Gooley's basically the same. Because <laughs> there's not really any other choice. <laughs> Like, who else am I gonna pick? I mean, Michael uh, McNiven's not there, so I guess there's that's no, true. Uh, no pick there. Um, for me, I went with on uh, the defensive pairs before I go to the forwards. I went with, you know, you are gonna do your best to develop, but just try to do the veteran, young guy approach kind of thing. So I actually, I know he's struggling, but I put Justin Barron with Michael Matheson, just the way Michael Matheson's been playing the last few seasons and how he's been playing so far, I guess, in the one preseason game. And then I'll have Joel Edmondson with Jordan Harris. And then I had Kenan Gooley with Chris Weidman. Okay. Okay. Who do you who do you want to put in place of Edmondson in case he's out by the start of the season? Or do you have anyone specifically? Uh, you know, uh, Fairbrother had a nasty hit last night. So. Yeah, I was thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, the, the temptation to say that he was going to make the opening night roster, I yeah. almost did, but we'll see. <laughs> I believe. I still believe. Yeah, or uh, right. maybe uh, maybe Arbor Jack is just going to be like, yeah, you're going to give me a tryout or I'm going to crush you against the boards. Oh, I almost man. put um, Harvey Pinard in here, but... When we were looking at the forwards, but I decided not to because smallish guy. I know he's getting a bit older, but I'll keep him in Laval for now. So I guess, um, again, I was kind of surprised by the Josh Anderson injury. So going with what I can in the first line. So I put Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and Red Pitlick. And then I put Kirby Doc, Evgeny Donanov, and Brendan Gallagher. And yeah. then I actually put Jonathan Druin. Um, Christian Dvorak and Uri Slavskovsky probably drew it on the right side. Just, I just, I don't know. I kind of feel like he should still play in the top nine. I know that really hasn't been there. And then for the fourth line, I have Michael Pizzetta, Jake Evans, and Yul Armia. Are you the only one of us who has Armia in, or Alex, did you have Big Joel in there? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. All right. It was either uh, him or Pizzetta. And it was, yeah, Pizzetta. which, I mean, you know. See, here's the thing, like, they have a real risk of losing Pizzetta the waivers, so it's that, yeah. or just be like, listen, Joel, this is, just be like, ah, it's a salary cap thing, uh, you're getting waived, um, because no one's going to take him, because his contract is bad, um, but interesting, interesting, just, you know, me having Jermaine on the fourth line isn't a, grr, you're bad thing, it's just like, mm-hmm. I have nowhere, I don't know where else to put you. It's. I thought of just going back to Dvorak, Drew, and Anderson, but I'm like, I don't need any more of that. I've seen it. I don't want it anymore. Then again, we haven't seen Marty St. Louis, Jonathan Drew in, but at some point, I've got to draw the line with Joe. And it's just like, I just don't know. He, I don't think he, he's earned this sort of, I'm going to put you in a prime time spot as of right now. It's not a personal thing. He doesn't know I'm a fan of him. Got his jersey waiting to get it, have, have it given back to me by Daniel. <laughs> um, but hey, I don't blame like, you. To, to me, I, I was. I, I was I wanted to put him on the second line on my second line with Dodonov and Dvorak, but then it's like you you look at what Pitlick did in his in the later stint with uh, Montreal, and it's like okay, I think it goes to your point of Juran has it. He didn't play at all last year, right? 
he did play, but uh, cool. wasn't wasn't a ton. I think like back half of the year he was just done. Like right. basically, to put it to you, I think he may have played like one game under Marty, if that. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And so it's like not it's. I still think he needs a spot in the lineup. I, I don't think he he's. Oh out. yeah 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 yeah. But again, I think there's other guys right now who I think have more so proved themselves. And like I get it, Duran hasn't been in a prime time position to prove himself over the last couple of years. But it's just like I, I think you gotta give the opportunities to the guys who have uh who have proved themselves on the ice the last that last stretch at the end of last season. And, and for me, that's yeah, why yeah. I had Rem Pitlick up there uh, over him. 1920, he played 27 games. Last year, 44 of 56. But then last year of 82, he only played 34. 20 mm-hmm. points in those games. So his point production is probably going to be pretty good under Murray St. Louis, you would think. Um, and then who knows what he maybe looks like, maybe on like the second power play if they get that going. And then, um, I don't know, like it, it's it's funny. The Sport Athletic had a line of Druin, Dodonov, and Monahan basically making it the trade deadline line. Yeah, let's just boost everyone's value to get uh, to get them going. Okay, uh, to the Leafs. So these are the three injuries I am aware of. And if I'm wrong, and if I'm forgetting someone, please let me know. Okay, Pierre Engvall is going to be reevaluated. I believe it's October third. Yeah, um, with I a ha- lingering injury. <sighs> sure. Yeah, that's what. What? what? Okay. I, yeah, that's what they said. That's what they said. Um, I have him in my lineup. Just okay. Fine. Putting yeah, that enough. out there. Okay. Um, um Lilligren is out for I think by now it's basically five weeks. It was yeah. six weeks last week, but do math people uh with the sports hernia. Muzzin is now skating, so you can probably put him in the lineup. Yeah. And John Tavares is out in a minimum of three weeks with an oblique strain. Wish him the best. Yes. Okay, which is a shame because uh, he looked like he was full of life in the preseason. Am yeah. I forgetting anyone else? Uh not injury, but obviously Rasmus Sandin should include him and he's not fine. Hurry uh, up. He's, he's not going to be in my lineup at the moment. He's not in mine either. Yeah. Um, Which is so, tough because there's guys in my, there's a, two guys in my lineup potentially that I do not want in there, but we can get to that. Yeah. Um. Then, Alex, how about I went first to the Canadians? How about you go first, then we'll go to Dan and then I'll finish it off. Sure. Uh, and I, once again, I think the mo- the easiest combination here was the goalies, Murray and Samsonov. I mean, like we can have an argument about who starts uh, again. Uh, listen, I'm kind of on team Samsonov at this point. Uh, <laughs> like, li- listen, li- no, 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 not based on the one game. Like, I mean, listen, listen, okay. Samsonov should start against Montreal. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Um, then it goes, I'll, I'll start up, up front. I think you keep bunting Matthews Marner. Uh, yeah. I don't see any reason why you change that up. Um, I'm going to save the second line until the end because I yeah, think yeah, that's it's, it's the juicy one. It's yeah. the juicy one. Um, third line. I, I think this is a line, you know, stemming from last year uh, for the most part, replacing one part of it, keeping Engvall and Confont there, Conf on that line and adding uh Callie Yarncrook. Uh, and who's essentially replacing Ilya Mikheyev, who unfortunate injured uh, four weeks. Yeah, that's yeah. that that sucks. I'd say for um, Vancouver, and then my fourth line. Now this is assuming that Zach Aston resigns. Um, I have him. I have Zach Aston, Reese, Adam Gaudet, and Nicholas Albe Kubel as my fourth line. 
the light of the three names. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam Garnett. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think that's that's those are your lines. And then you obviously have my okay, so this is where it gets interesting. So I have Nylander obviously on the second line. I, I think that's the one name that's up for debate. Um mm-hmm. not up for debate, sorry. So obviously John Tavares is injured today. Now we need to figure out who on earth is second line center, which apparently caused mass hysteria on sports radio today. When I turned, when I turned on the fan five ninety to hear it's them the talking about to hear, to hear them it's talking the about <laughs> talking about like uh, someone like sent in a text message saying, you know, why isn't Dennis Mulligan uh, receiving <laughs> any praise? And I'm like, okay, like you calm down text messenger and then they got into like a debate about like Dennis Mulligan and I'm like guys the, there's what to me it's this very easy easy answer to this question and I know yeah. Adam you don't like this I mean I don't know you don't like him because he's still not traded yet I know but it's Alex Kerfoot um, and and I think it's so simple as if you look at what he's done as second line center in the past as to essentially replace John Tavares at times of injury. I think it's really hard not to say he's the guy that goes there. Mm -hmm. There's, I I can't really see an argument as to why he doesn't go there in the short term. Now I understand it's going to be painful. Like you're not going to get John Tavares production from Alex Kerfoot. And there's no, I'm not suggesting that, but you're asking for a short-term solution. And I, and I believe that's going to be, Alex Kerfoot. Now, this is where it gets actually really interesting. Who's going to be on the left wing? And this might be a really uncon like I I think this is going to be a name that maybe we agree with, we might not agree with. Um, I I I have Nick Roberts in there, and I'm not saying he's the and I'll explain why. I, I don't have him as the long-term solution. I think once you bring John Tavares back, I think there's going to be some shuffling that's going to be done potentially that third line's going to look different. Um, but to me, my second line, even if John Tavares is there, is Kerfoot, Tavares, Nylander. Besides the point, uh, I think it's it, it wouldn't make sense to me to play Nick Robertson on the fourth line for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. To me, it doesn't make sense to put Nick Robertson on the third line as I don't think defense is his specialty. No, and I just think that's what that third line's there for. You're not putting Nick Roberts into in that line to succeed if you're going to put him on that third line. Um, and obviously, you're not putting him on the first line right now uh, with the mm-hmm. way they performed last year. So that's my forward core. Um, any questions? So can you say your fourth line again? Uh, Zach Aston, Reese, Adam Gaudet, yeah. and Nicholas Obel Kubel. So I don't even have Wayne Simmons or Kyle Clifford. They'll get they'll get their game time for sure, and I think it'll be, and it, it come playoff time. Like who at the beginning of last season, or even when he was traded to Toronto, thought Kyle Clifford was playing a playoff game? Yeah, he got suspended, and I absolutely loved it. But besides the point, like, listen, he got suspended. Whatever. Like there, I saw worse hits that playoff that didn't get suspended. So fucking call me crazy. Um, you made me realize I forgot. To put in Nikolai Abikubel when they're oh, running their lines. So let okay, me quickly, okay. Let me take out yeah, Wade yeah. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to do my defense real quick. Uh, so, because so we're missing Lily Grin and we're missing Sandine. Yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, I go, I'm going back to Riley Brody. 
I think without Lilligren, I think you go back to Riley and Brody just because I really, I really like, I really liked when they were together. I think it, it struggled at times, but when it worked, it worked. Uh, I'm as my second pairing. I'm going Giordano Hall. Uh, that's a pairing that actually worked last year when Giordano came in. Now he got third pairing minutes, and that's and we can have a discussion about where, how many minutes they're getting. But like, I think your second and third pair are pretty much getting identical minutes at this point. Riley and Brody will get the most. Um, and then third pairing. This is where uh, this one absolutely hurts so i have muzzin obviously because he's healthy yeah i i couldn't pick between victor mate and jordy man i won't lie like i just like what 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 am i doing here like i I, there was no one else on the lineup that i'm like huh you really have impressed me and i can put instead of jordy ben or uh victor mate like i'm not putting carl dahlstrom sorry like i I, sorry carl dahlstrom fans just not happening um, so it's one of them. Like, I guess if I had to pick, screw it. Let's put Jordy Ben because he might punch a few people in the face. Yeah. Like, uh, I like that. <laughs> like, I, I don't there know. And, and I know he can play on the right because Cap Friendly says he can. So that's good enough for me. I don't, I don't remember if he ever did in Montreal, but I try to forget anything about Jordy Ben. To be As honest. do I. Uh, go uh, go ahead, Daniel. All right. Um. Do I have to keep my second line a mystery as well towards the end, or can I just say it? Yes. Yes. Keep it a mystery. Yeah. yeah keep it a mystery. All right. For first line, the anchor line. <laughs> it's it's the same changed. thing. Hasn't changed. Um. For my third line, this was this is the one that gets interesting. Um. So, I have Dennis Mulgan. Oh, oh my God. David Kampf. And Alex Kerfoot. So either Kerfoot plays on wow. the left or the like, probably the left, or it might be the center. We'll see. Who probably David Camp stays the center. Who is your second line center? Well, by now, but yeah. Jesus Christ. Who uh, so, play? <laughs> I think I want Bordeaux where Pierre Engwall is, but that's fine. So uh, Nicholas Abu Kabel, uh, Adam Gaudet, and Wayne Simmons is my fourth line. I, I wanted to keep Wayne in there, I think, just for the opening night, see how it goes, see if he could bounce back. And I don't know, like, it was, for me, I don't want to just have, like, the quote-unquote, like, you know, skilled fourth line. I wanted, like, a bit of a balance still there. Oh, yeah, um, no. If I see a skilled fourth line, something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> memories of... Uh, Oh my gosh! I Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen on the fourth line. Yes, and um, mm. Brian I don't know, Adam mentioned Adam mentioned him before earlier. What was his name again? Um, Ty Ratty. No, uh, no, uh, he. Oh, Nick Patan. There you go. Oh, <laughs> oh God! All right, so it's pretty obvious who the first defensive pairing is: Morgan Riley, Jordy Ben. Um, Wait, are you serious? I'm kidding. It's I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still gonna. <laughs> I would have lost it. <laughs> if I see that opening night, I'm gonna lose it. So I think <laughs> I think you still gotta keep the Riley Brody. I think that's just the most consistent, especially when you're dealing with injuries. I think it's the same as the forwards. Um for my second pairing, I actually did have Jake Muzzin with Justin Hall. I think is just again going back to what you had before and seeing if, you know, maybe it works again. I think Justin Hall had a bit of a redemption here and there. He wasn't, you know, like when what? he had that horrible streak, he wasn't as bad 
the entire rest of the season. So Here we'll see and because there. and uh, Here and there is like minutes of the game, right? Not in games as a whole. Um, for the third pairing again, because I had to go around the injury. So Mark Giordano, and then I actually had either a Victor Mete or a Mac Holloway. Don't do playing. that to Mark Giordano. <laughs> Don't hurt the man. So I think He's either of those and then Jordy Ben is probably the seventh hey, defenseman. Hey, guys, come on. That is former top pair defenseman, Victor Mete. Of back course, with his yes. time with Shea Weber. Let us never forget. And uh, <laughs> continue. All right. I the, think that's it, right? No, my you're, second line. Oh, your I second say my second line. line. Oh, you saved I mean, it to the very end. Say the, say the center last, please. Yeah, yeah, it's by process of elimination. Line. So Nick Robertson. Yeah. William yeah. Nylander, yeah. Callie Yorncruck. Oh, okay. okay. Wait, yeah. so I had a... him as second line center in my first draft, but I changed it. Wait, okay. so is Pierre Engvall injured in your reality as oh, well? Oh, he's injured in my reality. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. He yeah. still has the, on um, daily faceoff, he still has the uh, the Red Cross. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I, I also I also have Pierre Engvall off my list, okay. um, which you which made know. it a little saucy. I have Matt Murray as the starter. Um. <laughs> Yeah, you I just want to face too. Matt Murray. I I mean, it's just like it's Stanford and Murray. I no offense, but it's just sort of like they're both <laughs> roller coaster goalies. Like uh, whatever. Um, my defense pairing, and I will I will show you as proof. Uh, it is Jordy Ben and uh, Morgan Riley. Um, <laughs> because I just you have it. Riley playing on the right. Uh, yeah. Dear heavens, he <laughs> just uh, play on the right. He, we tried listen, that listen, before. That didn't work. Listen, he'll still be better than Jordy Ben. Uh, give Jordy a chance. Hashtag. Uh, I have reu- reunited the pairing that won Mark Giordano, Mark Giordano, the Norris Trophy, and I put it with TJ Brody. Um, because I, I want to reunite Sheldon Keefe's safety blanket of Justin Hall and uh, Jake Muslin. I hate uh, you. Because I, I, I thought you. he wanted to. I so you. I just thought of like, I saw I saw what Alex said, um, the thing that, that Ben was getting a look, and I'm like, I have to. Uh, I have to. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to give you my second line first. Cause it's oh, okay. Um, it, it, it as well as that's, is Nylander, Kerr for the center. I, again, I had Yarn Coco, I moved it. I did have Nick Robertson. Uh, just because I just didn't know who else to put, right. um, and I was like, "Now or never, kid." Even though that's that's an exaggeration, but yeah. I just kind of thought, "I'm like, who is is going to benefit the most being there?" And I thought, "I Zach Aston Reese, no Goddat, no." Uh, I would rather have Yarncroke in the bottom six. Joey Anderson. I just didn't think there was a player who sort of would work as well with the rest of them than Nick Robertson. That was sort of the way I looked at it. Um, my third line. Is the sort of defensive lovers, uh, David Camp, Callie Yarncrook, and Zach Aston Reese. Uh, again, I really like the Zach Aston Reese PTO, and I hope he signs. Um, my third, my fourth line, sorry, is uh, it was Wayne Simmons because I forgot Nikolai Abe Kubel existed. Uh-huh. Um, so he, Abe Kubel is the right winger. The center is Adam Goddett because I saw on Cap Friendly he played center apparently, and I didn't know who else to put there. And uh, my left winger, uh, because I didn't know anyone else, I put Joey Anderson. Uh, because Joey Anderson. Also, uh, we have to remind everyone, uh, can jo- can Joss Anderson and Jake Muzzin finally drop the clubs? Uh, yeah. We're all waiting for it. So uh, please, please get that done. Uh, but yeah, those are the lines. Uh, Jordy Bevan. Yeah. Uh, I have a question because I wasn't sure about it when I was making these lines, but mm. is Nicholas Ebruzzese, he's going to play with the Marlies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. I mean, if yeah. the dynasty wanted him to be on the second line or something, then that's no, your prerogative. I'm good. But, I'm good. You know. No, no. I will say, just to go off what you said about Josh Anderson and Jake Muzzin, there's two two fights I want to see in my life. That one and uh, Joe Thornton and Nikolai Ehlers. I will never forget the documentary. Ever. Yeah, I, I will never forget. I'm embarrassed for you. Uh, a legend, a legendary line, a legendary uh, line. Uh, but now we can talk about maybe some legendary careers. Yes. Uh, and I think of these three that retired, I think the most prolific one is Dan O'Chara. Uh, a nightmare for Habs fans and Leafs fans equally. Mm. Uh, the nightmares of Senators fans for going after Wade Redden, keeping him instead of Dan O'Chara. The Islanders for giving up on him. Pretty sure that was Mike Milbury. Uh, you'll love to see it. Uh, you just sort of look at Zidane Char just quickly. Obviously a Norris Trophy. 680 points, by the way. That is uh, about 500 more games than Keith Yandel uh, played. And uh, I, I mentioned points because I wanted to give some respect to Keith Yandel late, later. Um, a Stanley Cup champion, obviously. A tremendously respected leader. Uh, a fitness monster. I think it's over 1,500 games played. Around, maybe around 1,600. Um to the respect where even the Bell Center gave him a standing ovation a couple of years ago. I remember that. The Bell Center. Yeah. He broke Pacioretty's mm-hmm. neck there on accident, obviously, but that's the sort of level of respect that Zidane O'Chara uh, get. I think the moment you can, you get him in the Hall of Fame. Not just for the player he was, but sort of proving that a big man can still play defense in a new age. Um, there's a reason everyone looks at the big guy and it's like, that's the new Zidane O'Chara. Um a lot of respect for him. Can never cheer for him because he was a Bruin. Yeah. But uh, hell of a career for Zidane O'Chara. First ballot Hall of Famer, in my my opinion, at least. For sure. Like, literally, he he was... I, I want to call him an anomaly, but, like, in a good way. Oh, yeah. In a good way. Like, well, I mean, not in a good way for us, but, like, in a good way for whatever team he was on. And uh, just always a problem and and like he did his job and like that's what he did and at the top of his game like oh my god i would not want to play against zidano freaking char like just huge um and like years uh, multiple years going against zidano char in the playoffs were were not fun to watch i like that word you use anomaly because I think about that too, where, you know, in addition to the size, in addition to the shot, there is that longevity there where he's literally played from the late nineties towards the modern NHL, where he has bridged arguably two types of hockey and still maintained that consistency there. Um, It's just weird that like, you always think of Zidane Char as a fixture, I think, like in your fandom as both Habs and Leafs fans that it's like that guy's always going to be there in a way um I remember and I know this is like not of the one of the biggest memories but I just remember when he played in the World Cup of Hockey in 2016 where you know in a naive way I thought okay this is probably his last year this guy's 39 (laughs) this guy's 39 like he's not gonna play anymore and he still managed to score he scored on Canada he still uh, led what is it, Team Europe to... Oh, no. Slovakia had their own team, right? No, they they didn't. Uh... No, I, I think he may have been on Team Europe because I think... Remember that game, only Bruin scored because Bergeron... Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Gabryk was also on the Team Europe because they're both Slovakian. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He, 
I just always going to remember that. And still weird to me, he finished his career. I mean, like he finished off as an Islander. So we come full circle thing. But yeah, just like playing for the Sens, playing for the Bruins throughout my childhood and towards being an adult. That's I'm always going to remember as he's a guy. It's like, man, I really don't want to like you, but you're way too good that I just can't ignore it. Always hated the fact that um no not hated I Zidiano uh, Char is one of the reasons I love the Harley Shot competition. I'll never forget the year he was he traded with Weber going hardest hardest and what was it? We- I think Weber did a one hundred eight point five and then Char hit a one hundred eight point eight, but I think it's still the record. Um, I love stuff like that. Um, and he was just like, uh, he was a good dude, too. Remember, he was one of the few players that actually went to Black Lives Matter rallies after the George Floyd stuff. I remember he was actually out in the community doing stuff. And God, he was a Bruin. He bled gold, that guy. Um, just a hell of a career. It's funny, Daniel, what year were you born again? Just out of curiosity. Because I was born in 99. Yeah, what year were you born? I was born in 93. 93, okay. So Daniel was three years old when Daniel Chara was uh was drafted i wow. was negative three alex was negative four so you know by the way um slovakia i want to mention this thomas tatar had a nice moment with philip mishar and yaris sakoski last night in the preseason game slovakian guys I, I just wanted to mention that quickly good moment um but obviously yeah, so dan ochara hell of a career my friend uh, hell of a career oh, i wish he was my friend uh okay uh next keith yandel uh, a guy who, again, has... We're going to talk about P.K. Subban in a minute here. Uh, Keith Yan, who more points than P.K. Subban, only has less points than Chara, despite Chara playing hundreds of more games there. 619. The peak of his, his performance, Keith Yan was an offensive juggernaut. Uh, the Iron Man streak that will probably get broken by Phil Kessel. Knock on wood, and I'm knocking on my desk. Um, but, I mean, when he was at his top of his game, Holy crap, Keith Yandel was a force too. Not a physical force, but you know, that guy was a puck mover before it really sort of came into you need everyone to be able to move the puck. It just sucks he was a coyote for so long. But I loved Keith Yandel. I loved watching it, Keith Yandel. Yeah, and it's and I think for for me, it was tough these last few years where hold the headlines for Keith Yandel were just constantly negative because yeah. if you go back to when he was in Florida like his streak was almost broken and then the players had to go in and say no the streak's not going to be broken and then uh he signs in Philly and then it's like well we're going to break the streak like and the way they did it yeah that was Saturday tough. night against yeah. Toronto like you know that's going to go poorly like yeah. right yeah. and and it did and it did. Um, and, and you just look at the player he was in his prime and just how good he was. It was just so unfortunate the way the headlines were written um, on the in the extreme back end of his career. Mm-hmm. What's it's nice like- is, at least through that stuff with the street being broken, I think you got to see how good of a teammate he was. The fact that the mm-hmm. Panthers had to be like, no. And then when he scored that first game, when the Panthers, when he sort of got into that game, how happy his his teammates were, and sort of how Kevin Hayes was so distraught um, that the streak was broken, and how he, he the team felt responsible for it. Uh, it shows that he's just a good dude too. 
what I liked about it was, and I I like to, for Keith Yandel's sake, I'd like to just look back on the good years in a way. I know that things didn't work out with the tail end of the Florida contract. He didn't really work out too well when he went to the Flyers. And I like that he was such a consistent guy. You know, he was a late round pick, I believe in the fourth round in 2005, I believe with the Coyotes. He stuck things through and he was that centerpiece, like that blockbuster trade. Remember when the Rangers were doing all those types of trades and they got Keith Yandel for a reason. And I liked how consistent he was. I know I like the defensive game didn't really translate too well later on, but I'd like to remember Keith Yandel for that, where he was an all-star level player. He did his best, stayed healthy. And okay, this one thing too is just, I think he played at a time where the Coyotes were not really having the best success and he still stuck things through. I know mm-hmm. we could say the same thing for a lot of players right now for the Coyotes. Yeah, but... I, I was going to say, <laughs> what, what era of Coyotes are we talking about? <laughs> but I think he played there before... I like to say the initial hope of building a a roster. So I think that's something to really look at. And man, like I still liked watching him play. Oh yeah. Um, And to finish off the trio of retirements, uh, one that obviously means a lot to me as a fan, uh, PK Subban, um, a Norris trophy, 467 points. Feels like he should have more, but the injuries really caught him at the end there. Uh, An Olympic gold medalist, um, uh, a true character in the game in the best of ways. Uh, a playoff performer. Controversial in ways. Um, and again, the newest episode of the Support Athletic from uh, Arpin Basu and Mark Antoine Gordon, they talk about covering Subban. And so there's some stuff to do with the relationship with the Canadians and how that initial donation he made, the, the $10 million pledge, and not telling the team about it, um, which I think was probably the beginning or the arbitration stuff was the beginning of the end but uh interesting to sort of look at his time in montreal i hope they do something to recognize his career um you know at least remember how jack eichel was sort of celebrated by the buffalo community Mm -hmm. instead of by the sabers themselves i hope and this is going to be a jeff molson decision uh the canadians can do something for pk maybe with mark bergevin being gone it's a lot easier to do but what he did for the community, how how much he meant to the fan base, um, I hope PK gets a sort of real return and patching up with the Canadians because hell, he has some of I've said this so many times the most electric hab I have watched in my lifetime. Caulfield may surpass that soon, but PK Subban was just a joy to watch on and off the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I, and I think that's like the, the biggest, not obviously not the biggest point to, uh, to point out, but I think his personality off the ice was so we'll call it controversial. I don't like calling it controversial because I think calling it controversial puts really shows how down in the dumps the NHL is in terms of player personality. Um, But like, I I just think that it was so good for the game, the way he played and how he was off the ice was so positive for the game. It was just unfortunate to me, the way things ended in, in Montreal. Um, And and then, you know, like after that, it was just, it, it, 
it was unfortunate, but once he left Montreal, it felt to me that his career kind of took a downhill trajectory. I mean, other than the first year or two in Nashville. You, you know what's maybe um, polarizing is a better word to use. Yes. I, somebody that just hit me as you said that. He had one good year afterwards. Yep. The first year in Nashville, because that's when they went to the cup final. Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, goes to the cup final, comes short, and their body just sort of falls apart. Uh, talk about that Shea Weber trade. And, of course, what looked like P.K. Subban's closest friend in the league, Carey Price. Um, it's it's weird how sort of the history rhymes, repeats itself, however you want to put it. Just Sorry. that just sort of I, hit my mind for a second. There. I thought you were talking about Eric Carlson for a second, but no. <laughs> oh, don't no. oh, no, do that to me. He's, he's back. Okay. Please, he's back. All right. Deal, go go ahead, Danny. Oh. <laughs> I know I know what you mean, Alex, when you said controversial. Like for me, in a way, it's it's like unconventional. And for me, it's really weird that he's retiring. I know that there's a lot of the injuries. Um a lot of that was going on. We saw that in his play, especially towards the end in Nashville. And when I say it's weird for me that he's retiring, it's because when I use that word unconventional, it's because when he came into the league and then he started dominating, I felt like he was exactly the type of player the NHL needed. Like it was a breath of fresh air. Like he was someone that this, this league definitely needs. I think they still need a lot of guys like PK Subban someone who is really like i think gets a lot of criticism that's unnecessary that i think he proved his game he was a star and then he was an all-star for quite some time and i think that like when he doesn't go along the line of things i think like it's hard to define like what is that line because i think he's proven it both on and off the ice like you guys said that he was part of the community he did his best, and I think it's just the way he celebrates. Like it's something you see in other sports, and I've I've been on this this topic a lot of times too. That happens in a lot of sports, and just to have him there, I think is something that I, I hope like the league embraces a lot more. That I think when you see younger players come in and want to be. A player that may be the role model. I think PK Subban should still be that beacon of of what a player could be beyond the rink. You know, he was ahead of his time. Yeah. If he had started in the league a few years ago, he'd be all, all, he'd be everywhere, everywhere. Um, he was just ahead of his time, and I think he was with the worst general manager, a polar opposite in some ways, but at the same time, someone who was jealous of PK was Mark Bergevin. <laughs> Because didn't like the suits. When they went to the finals, what was Mark Bergeron wearing? A bright suit. Doing commercials. Getting his own McDonald's burger. Like, like hypocritical. Was I didn't Mark know about Bergevin. the McDonald's burger. I didn't know yeah, about that. Yeah, it happened. It, there was the, it was the year that Carboneau went into the Hall of Fame and there was this commercial like Carboneau, like, ah, I'm going to get a burger. And Bergeron's like, nope, I get a burger. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, nice to see you, Bergeron. <laughs> uh, but just awful. Uh, but this is about PK. A hell of a career. Now he's going to go be a broadcaster. My bet's on ESPN because he's already doing first take before. Um, hell, hell of a career. Hell of a career. And you, you left the game in a better shape than you left. And you know what? Um, I think what rubbed people the wrong way was he saw himself as someone who was had the chance to play hockey. He didn't think of himself as purely a hockey player. 
And I wonder if there were just some guys that are so much pure, purest hockey players that they refuse to see more than just the game. I wonder if that's just a sort of issue with the culture itself. But I think that was his biggest downfall was just sort of, he was too big for the game as a personality, which is a shame. Um, you know, I think in a few years, people are really going to notice sort of they, they, they sort of took too much advantage of PK and didn't appreciate him in his, in, in his time. But uh, again, hopefully the Habs do something for him because I, I really think he, he deserves it uh, for his play. I mean, it was the Norris Trophy winner. He was insane. Yeah. Um, and a finalist another year. He was really good. Uh, okay. Now we have a few more things to finish off here. Uh, first off, uh, kind of news of the day, to be honest. Spencer Knight is extended in Florida three years. The AAV is 4.5. Uh, I'd like to double check something, but I believe uh, Baumgartner tweeted out that uh, I and I'm going to double check this so I don't get Bomber's words wrong. But if you look at Florida's cap friendly, um, both Sergey Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, uh, their contracts are up at the same time. Obviously, yeah. Bobrovsky will be a UFA, an RFA for Mr. Spencer Knight. Um, maybe a rich deal right now. Maybe. I think they paid a little more than they had to. So. Again, should be noted, starts next season, not this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, yeah. um, I uh, listen. I I'm not gonna lie. I don't entirely understand it. With thir- uh, 36 games played, um, I didn't really get the like. You remember last summer, uh, or it was last summer, or two summers ago, we had Cal Peterson. Uh, who else? There last summer. Uh, okay, Cal Peterson. Maybe Merzlikens, but there was like Cal Peterson, Vili Huso, and someone else. Or was Vili Huso this year? Like, there's a group of goalie contracts where I just I don't necessarily get. Uh, and it's like you've played extremely minimal amount of games, and you're getting four and a half, five million dollars. Like, maybe I'm just not understanding the market for goalies like to me okay well Igor Shosturkin makes five million dollars yeah go look at Igor Shosturkin it's it's almost uh, okay I'll say Shosturkin's not quite the same because Shosturkin oh sorry no let let me because Shosturkin was just like because what is he he has the richest second deal in goalie history well he's making 5.6 I I, I, I know what you mean it's like a thing of one A's are getting like four to five million uh, B's are making like two or three, and then you just sort of have like Bobrovsky, Price, Vasilevsky, which are kind of like the elites of the elites. How about this? And then you have the sort of middle ground of like they're elite, but they're not the absolute best or within like the six or seven million dollar range. But like the guys getting those four or five million dollars, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I feel like I maybe it's because like the short head, like, uh, like because of the lack of goalies out there, it's sort of a thing of. What's the thing in Canada? We have like our our phone players are so garbage in that because there's not enough competition. Maybe yeah. it's just there's not enough competition in the goalie world. But the, the goalie market and contract sets are very strange. Very strange. Like Shusterkin, fine. He played 47 games in the NHL when he got that second deal. He had mm-hmm. a 932 and a 916 in those two seasons. That's not bad. Yeah, so yeah, we gotta keep in mind with him, like 
he's a bit older. He's had a lot more experience before he became a full time initial. Oh, not full time. Yeah. yeah, but he's twenty six right now. Yeah, uh, that's that's the thing, and I think like just with that experience alone, I think that warrants the contract. Um, for me, like it's weird because I remember looking before the extension, uh, just how Florida's gonna afford everything. Like they have. Patrick Hornquist coming off the books at 5.3. But essentially that money goes now to Spencer Knight. And that tandem is what four it's gonna be 14.5 million up until well, wow, so both their contracts end at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. 2025, 2026. Yeah. So that's another thing to figure out there as well. Um I don't know. Like I always think about this because I still think Spencer Knight as the hyped guy. Like he was the guy that they're gonna hype to see. Like this is the next franchise goalie. And you have it out for him. I don't have it out for him. I just, yeah, I just think it is pretty rich, and there was really no rush to kind of give him this type of deal, especially right now. Where, what are you gonna do now if he actually does play a lot better? You're gonna have a ten million dollar backup in Sergey uh, Bobrovsky. See, I was gonna defend the fourteen million dollar thing because I did the same thing for Price and Allen. Um, but you yeah, know, but you did that for uh, a year. And, yeah, because then Allen like, signed his extension right away, didn't he? Ah, uh, yeah. It's it's yeah. It is the thing that the, the Daniel sort of changed my mind. Like there is emotion saying a ten million dollar like, backup. It's that's tough. It's tough. Like the thing is, is okay. So their window. I guess is many like is multiple years. So you can look at, I don't know if you saw what Friedman uh, and Rory Boylan posted literally just before we uh, started recording something about uh, some type of projections uh, for the salary cap. I'm just going to pull this up real quick, but like to me is we've had the discussion about Florida where they didn't get better defensively this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they got worse. Um, yeah, they got worse, and they added Paul Maurice, which again, like that combination yeah. doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to me. So I have it here. So what Freeman and Boylan were saying is next year the cap's going to go up again by another million, and what we could potentially see in 2024, 2025 is a bump to 87 and a half to 88 million dollars. And then the year. So 2023, 2024, which is next season, not this season, yep. next season. Yep. We're going to mm-hmm. get 83 and a half. So another bump by a million dollars. What we could possibly see the season after 24, 25 is 87.5 yep. to $88 million. That's the salary cap year mm-hmm. after that. So the year after that, this is now a year before um, the year before these two contracts end 2025, 2026, approximately it could go to $92 million. Oh, God. So that's, a, that's a big jump but the, sorry i guess the point i was trying to make is you have these two years where the cap is uh still this year and next year where the cap is i would argue stagnant and you have um and, and it's you're in the middle of your window so but your defense like again like where are you adding how are you doing all this is like my question like, uh, uh, what well, am I missing an injury? Someone's going on LTIR. Like, oh. how are you getting better from last year? I think is the question. Cool. You added Matthew Kachuk. You now replace Jonathan Huberdo. I'd argue in a sense, they're similar, 
not maybe not in play style, but in general, how good they are amongst the league. And you've extended that window, but how are you getting better? You forgot two crucial players. Who am I missing? Who? The possibility of the return of the Stahl brothers, just a different iteration uh-huh. because it's not Jordan. It's Mark with Eric this time. You, you know, if I can try and think of Florida's perspective, and they acknowledge that they're worse in the short term with Kachuk, sorry, with the Kachuk trade, right? Um, maybe Florida see it as a window of they're going to take a few years to be a playoff team, but not true contenders, and then sort of reshape the way they're sort of reshape the team because, like, the thing with Hornquist okay. is, yeah, him going, and he was a guy who was going to fall off, and then. Maybe you know you got Bennett there, and then like you take a few years for um for Lundell to get even better because what a star he was last year. Uh, I'm just trying to think of maybe where Florida are coming with on this. Not to mention, you know, at at the end of it, you have him locked up to a point where you still control his rights sure. by the time Bobrovsky's up, and if he plays well, then you all of a sudden have the money to lock up a goaltender who potentially is going to be the starter for the rest of his career, which I am a fan of. Um. Beside that, to the thing of defense, I I don't know their pipeline very well because they and even with picks, it's like, but then even doing the short term fix is like they don't have any firsts. Well, yeah, so and, 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 yeah. like and that's, that's, that's the biggest the thing, and, and, and that means that's not just a short term <laughs> fix though either. That's also a, a, a longer term fix too, where everyone talks about you know you're drafting in the first round, and and in Florida's case, they're still going to make the playoffs. They're a playoff team to me, but now you don't have your first round pick. You know, everyone loves to talk about it with Toronto's, and I partially agree with that. So I'm going to bring it up here as well. You're giving up your first round picks and when in three to four years, when these guys are now making the NHL, how are you replenishing your cupboard? And that's the, that's the question that's going to be asked when you have no first round picks, but all of your, and you're making, when you're making reality is a lot of question marks from rounds two to seven. Like I think a lot of people would argue that they're not the chances of them hitting are low. So I'm not trying to pick on Florida. I'm just asking the question, mm. how are you going to replenish your cover and where are you going to get better defensively, especially in the next two years, this year and next year in the middle of your window, no first round picks. And I just don't know there. And maybe they have someone in the cupboard. I don't know, but I'm just asking the question. I was checking like I, you know, I'm not as well versed with their prospect system either, but to be honest, like these are guys that they might be good, but there's they're really young. None of them were first round picks, and it we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll do something. We'll swing a trade, get someone on the open market. But as of right now, I think their defense. Like I think I just I just I cannot trust it. No, um, and you just, I'm just looking at some of the names now, and they're just sort of, they're fellas, an aging Radko Gudas. Uh, like, Montour is a fine addition they made, and then it's sort of like, what they have to do is do what they did with Gustav Forsling, basically, and they're going to have to do, the, like, the Pittsburgh model we joke about it, is they're going to have to nail free agent signings from the college system. Um, scour, you know, your sort of diamonds in the roughs of the draft. Um, get lucky with reclamation projects maybe in free agency because you with the way the cap is a damn you should have mentioned that all that money for Hornquist going straight to Spencer Knight is 
them sort of having to rely on guys with ELCs or get bargain bins at free agency. Oh, and I, I, again, you know, I'm just trying to think the position that Bill Zito was in. Like, again, you lock up a young goaltender for a couple of years and still have control, which is fine. But then again, it's at, at the same time, though, they had, if they had made the conference finals, for example, I think it's a different conversation. But the mm-hmm. fact that they won a single round and didn't win a, a single game in the second round, and then you look at everything they gave up. Yeah, it's it's just tough to see the the way the Panthers are going to rebuild themselves. It is. Um, I say we move on from here, though. Um, I think we covered some good points there. Uh, it's just Florida. It's going to be. And you know what? I haven't making the playoffs too. It's gonna. It's not going to be easy. If they falter for a few weeks, it they're gonna. There are no easy games in the Atlantic this year. There are not going to be any. Not a single one. Unless, you know, Jake Allen and Mountain Bow get hurt and Kane Primo's in. Then it's like, well, Montreal come in and give away two points. Uh, anyway, um, if we look at other places in the league, let's talk about another contract. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is the highest played pay- player in the NHL. Uh, so, he is. Barely. Barely, yeah, by 100000 annually. Uh, eight years is the deal. $12.6 million is the AAV. It's worth $100,800,000, which is funny. Uh, $85 million of it is in signing bonuses. Uh, it's a full no movement for the entire contract. Uh, I mean, listen, let's just uh, cap percentages. It's a good, it's a fair contract. It's good. It's just, oh, let's just, it's a let's get that out the way. Deal. I mean, what, what can we say? It's like, listen, are we going to criticize him for not taking it? Listen, people say he took a discount here. No, he didn't. Yes, I, he I'm did. Gonna, yes, I'm he gonna, did. No, he no, didn't. no. <laughs> he's the highest played player in the league. He could have absolutely gotten more. He could like have fourteen. Absol- I thought he was fourteen. He could have absolutely gotten more here. I listen now. Uh, ju- I like Nate again, Dog, but come no, on. no, no. But Adam, here's the thing. Okay, we're if we're using the argument of cap percentage and stuff, but you, you, you okay? How many players make more than Sidney Crosby? He makes eight points. Okay, now. You can look at Connor McDavid, twelve point five million dollars, which, by the way, again underpaid. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's underpaid. I still think Nathan McKinnon, like Nathan McKinnon's, a what the he's the third or fourth best forward in this league. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, he's, top five. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's in the group with with Shade, with Matthews, with. Uh, with McDavid, with with Dreisaitl, yeah, right. he's up there. Like he's a top five forward in the league. He is. Yeah. Oh, like again, we can have the debate on who's better, McCarr or McKinnon. I'd also argue he's all pretty much a top five player in the league. Like, yeah, he deserves all the damn money. Like, I don't care what that guy in Dallas has to say. Like, these guy, he deserves all the damn money. <laughs> Like, yes, I'm not. I'm not saying he's not worth twelve point six million. No, no, obviously. I know. I'm just gonna poke fun at the point that he said, "Y'all, I'll take less." I mean, you know, maybe you did for what was being offered, but I'm like, you know, I don't think anyone expected it to be like nine million dollars or something. No. But no. that wasn't that wasn't gonna happen. I just, again, I like Nate Dog. I was the one a couple of years ago being like, "Yeah, I better make David." Um, and I remember those days in the playoffs. Yeah, oh, I do too. A couple uh, of years fun. ago, like less than twelve uh, months ago. But I mean, according yeah. to the Dom Lachizan model, it should be sixteen point two million. That doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to me. Like I, I just I don't get the point of that. 
Because it, it's just uh, anyway, I I I don't get his model. Like I don't know the point of that. It's because um, everyone in the NHL is underpaid. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, good for McKinnon. I mean, they, I don't know if there's too much to say. He'll be a lifetime ad, a lifetime ad, yeah. which is right. He shouldn't play anywhere else. Um, and yeah, he won the cup, so you know it just it doesn't matter what they do now. They won the cup, so you're good. You're yeah. fine. It's, uh, it's you're good. So I, I I don't remember. I'm pretty sure we said it on the show, but we were having this conversation when it was still up in the air. His obviously his contract extension was still up in the air, probably before they were even allowed to talk. But I think we all automatically assumed that now with Eric Johnson off the books next year, every single cent of his of his deal was going right to Nathan McKinnon. Pretty much yeah. spot on. Like yeah. we couldn't so, have been more spot on. So McKinnon exactly doubled his deal because it was yes. 6.3 before. Yeah. So, so Johnson what, was like six. So there's just a $300,000 that he just dropped in the penny there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sacrifice I mean, hey. of a first overall pick for another first overall pick. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Has to happen. Uh, okay. Going to the Flyers to finish off here. Oh, I feel so I am bad sad for, for the Flyers. I feel so. First off, okay. Ryan Ellis. Uh, we love them. Basically, it's it looks like he's done for the season. Uh, questions about the career. So he has a torn psoas muscle, I believe is how you pronounce it, in his back, which is affecting a whole ton of parts of his abdomen. Basically, there's a hip component. There's an a. There, I I there are words I have never seen in my life. Basically, this is the very rare injury Chuck Fletcher was telling the media, GM of the uh, the Flyers, obviously. Uh, very complicated, and uh, he's never really seen it before. And, and there is something where it, it doesn't really require sure, – it's not just you fix one area. It, it sounds like it is, uh, it, it is It is. just so unlikely it looks like Ryan Ellis is going to play again. Sean Couturier, now it was reported – I can't – I, I believe somebody in Philly, hold on, uh, Olivia Ryder, who's a beat reporter there, said there's going to be an update given tomorrow by Chuck Fletcher on Sean Couturier. Uh, now, Renaud Lavoie said apparently the timetable may actually be three to four weeks, um, but there's a lot in the air right now. Obviously, it's a back injury, who so who knows? But remember, like, a week ago it was, so he may miss a few weeks, or it could be the season. We're like, whoa, hold on a minute. What are we doing? <laughs> How? Back's complicated. Um, I, I that first off, Ryan Ellis. I mean, like that is besides just sort of that we have laughed at the Flyers plenty, but Ryan Ellis may be losing his career. I mean, you talk about a guy who went sort of just his like injuries have really taken a toll. That guy was well, when there were rumors about maybe him and Nashville were going to get it done, everyone was going to jump on him. I remember the room, but people, oh, the Leafs are going to get, and I was terrified. I'm like, what if they got him? That's going to be awful. But it was like, Ryan Ellis is that, is it? It was always that thing with Nashville's defense at one point where Weber, Ellis, Ekholm, Yossi, and then it became Stupid and Yossi and Ekholm and Ellis back in the day. Um, and even when that, that, that trade happened to Philly, we were like, ah, oh, Fantastic, yeah. Philly. Yeah. Now we clearly did not look too much into his injuries because uh, we were we were bad on that. But first off, how horrible for Ryan Ellis! I hope he can just function because yeah. that sounds brutal. 
it, it, it just it, hockey players. Yeah. No, it's it's unfortunate the way things turned out, especially for that trade. I mean, we were quite complimentary of, of it's, when it's been when, bad for all teams. When yeah. and it's been bad for all teams. Uh like Nashville. Who was it that Nashville oh, got they, from that? They trade? got Ryan McDonough out of it, didn't they? Technically. Oh, right. They did. Yes. Okay. Fine. What's the, what's so at the time, what is it they gave up Philip Myers? Philip yeah. Myers and Nolan Patrick. Who isn't playing this year? So Who's he might playing, be yeah. done too. And Cody Glass. Is, Where's what's Cody got? Cody Glass. Uh, the Milwaukee Admirals. Right. So it, it just it's uh, it's just unfortunate. It has not worked out for any team in this trade, which is like when was the last time we said that ever? Yeah. Um, especially with a deal of that magnitude. That was like one mm-hmm. of the only three way three team trade, like proper three team trades. Like not this here retain 50% and then move on like proper three-way trades we've seen in the NHL. So uh, I think that received a lot of buzz and it was unfortunate. It didn't work out Um, with Sean Couturier. It's like, man, like if there's a guy, like if there's a guy I'd imagine John Tortorella wants around, it's Sean Couturier. Oh yeah. Um, And it's just, it's unfortunate. Like again, hopefully it's not six weeks or the season. Like maybe we can have a better timeline than six weeks or the season. That'd be nice. Um, but I think that's a guy you want around. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that. I think with the Flyers still figuring out what they wanted to do, you want someone who is a proven leader, someone who could, you know, pick up the slack of the scoring in Sean Couture, where I think he does make up for a lot of the shortcomings that the Flyers have had. Um I, I'm I don't know. I just like I, I know that people do look at the Flyers and think about okay, what were they doing? What were they doing with the trades? I'm still thinking about why they got Tony D'Angelo, especially the way last season ended up. And it's funny because like we always talk about like them adding from last season, like okay, you can't you can't keep doing that, and they kept doing it. But at this point, the way I'm seeing the injuries, the way Things have been going like I just kind of feel for the franchise, to be honest, because it is it was already going to be a rough year, but there's just this added cloud around them now of just there's so much uncertainty. The league is better when the Philadelphia Flyers are good. You know what I mean? Like that's a franchise that it just we I think we talked about we talked about this before that the Flyers for the past couple of years, like even like a decade, have just sort of been like. It's up and down, up and down, messy. What are they doing? And now it's just sort of, they don't have Claude Giroux anymore. Yeah. New era thing. Voracek's gone. And, all that. and then you would think maybe moves to like your Provorovs and that, but what's his future now? Because, you know, Jeff Merrick's always talked about, you know, they want to see him play with, uh, with Ellis. Well, Ellis is, it may not play again. So what do you do there? And it's just sort of like, and they're not Couturier's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then it's sort of like Van Riemsdyk will probably be gone after this summer. And then it's just so it's just pace. And sort of I, I just don't the sort of core of that team has just been ripped to shreds. And listen, the Flyers are definitely to blame for some of the moves that Tony D'Angelo is inexcusable. Um, and I, I am not even going to mention the off the ice stuff with him, but just the style of play. And, and we've talked about everything to death with that team. But it's just sort of like the Couturier stuff. I cannot blame though. I know people were saying they signed the contract. What were you going to do? Not sign Sean Couturier? 
You couldn't not Doesn't try the guy have a, yeah. yeah, like a shark. Did he take, did he win a selkie? He must have. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so he, he he's a selkie where like come on, we're good. You know, you're not gonna not sign Shark. Calm down. Uh Ryan Ellis criticize if you want for what they gave up at the time. A fair bet to make. All right, fair enough. Uh could you look up Ellis's contract and maybe they I mean, come on. I'm yeah, going to no, be like, at the time, we liked it, so I'm not going to go back. Listen, to listen, no one knew they were going to turn Philip Myers into Ryan McDonough, right? Yeah. Like, let's calm down. <laughs> I think just with Ryan Ellis, I think it's just, it's the same thing we talk about, Sean Maturity, is like that model of consistency and maturity that I think the Flyers really needed, especially when you only have your veteran in Sean Couturier who's been there the longest. You trade Claude Giroux. I think I think he was just gonna be someone, especially with the way his contract was, just that calming presence you need, especially when the Flyers are stacking up a lot of the young guys that they're still trying to develop. Mm-hmm. And now they have uh, guys passed out on the ice with John Tortorella running intense drills right now. Yeah, um, it is. It is gonna be a rough year to be a Flyer. Uh, it's gonna be a rough year. Uh, maybe that his teams play hard because they just sort of express the anger they feel towards Tortorella on their opponents. Uh, maybe. Anyway, uh, that's it for us today. Uh, everything has happened. In fact, you know, so, guys, let's go on Twitter and see. I, I actually, I, I have a question for you guys because I did not realize this was still a thing. Because um, I, I was looking for something on the score and I came across this article. The article, I don't think matters, but uh, did you know that? This is actually the final year of Matt Dumba's contract. I remember that. And apparently like, the Wild can't re-sign him. I mean, this is the third time they've we've had this talk. Yeah, so so that that's that's the thing is, you know, I feel like for the last three years we've talked about them trading Matt Dumba and they haven't. They haven't. It's like <laughs> Here's what's funny. I, I thought he moved. was in I thought he was in the final year of his contract for like two years now. I will not lie right. the way we were talking about him. It feels like he's been an expiring contract since Vegas came into the league. Yes. Like they yes. have moved heaven and earth to keep him. And now they can't afford him. He's been a Toronto and... Maple Leaf for three years. <laughs> or a Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Brock Besser for Matt Dumbo. <laughs> now he'll be you know who needs a right D. Father one. Oh. <laughs> oh god. Uh, a few things before we actually go. These are nerdy things. First off, uh, I saw this. Uh, apparently, Hugh Jackman's going to be a Deadpool three as Wolverine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's so random. I didn't. Think yes, please. Would go to this conversation. Uh, yes, we're going to go see please. that. Uh, Bizarre Adventures. I am. I am happy. Right. I. I. I don't care about X Men without him in it, so I'm very happy about that. And apparently, James Earl Jones is stepping back from voicing Vader. Oh, um, no. And now it's just they're just he's been like, yeah, you can synthesize. Do the thing of his voice. Yes, do that. Um, apparently, John Williams has been awarded an honorary knighthood. Uh, this Good. is one of the final awards apparently approved by the Queen before she died. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, good for him. He deserves. He's it. retiring, yeah. is he not? Is that what I John read? Williams? I believe, yeah, him. <sighs> I think after Indiana Jones uh, five. Wait, uh, what? I think he. Wait, 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 wait. Indiana Jones 5. Sorry, there's an Indiana Jones, new Indiana Jones coming out. Yeah, next year, I think. Yeah, it's going to be Harrison Ford's last film, too, I think. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, they they advertised it at Star Wars Celebration. I remember joking, like, so that's why Harrison Ford is at Star Wars Celebration, because he's promoting Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. if if it's a thing of him and Harrison are retiring, then it's going to be a 
a sad day. <sighs> uh, a sad day. Also, uh, the NHL sucked because apparently, uh, this is for Sad Yusef on Twitter. Jim Neal announced that uh, upon further review, the NHL um, asked for Ben Bishop to not assume his front office role with the Stars until his contract um, with Buffalo on LTIR runs out. Bishop will uh, uh, will be around the team for the time being. Um, That's weird. I hate, I hate this league. Sorry, let me understand this. Jim Neal asked for this. Is it, or wait, sorry, who asked for this? Sorry, I'm super confused. I missed that. Hold on a minute. Let me get it back up. Because um, uh, Jim Neal announced that after further review, the oh. NHL asked for Ben Bishop. Oh so maybe the Sabres said something. God. I don't know, but I don't see. I don't see why in the world this is a problem. I but don't it, understand. But it was okay when Chris Pronger was a coyote. Well, maybe because his contract was boy he was working for. Yeah, I know because he's working. Or Marion Hosa, uh, you know, becoming part of the management, but he didn't retire. But what what team was he under contract? It was for? with the no, it was the Coyotes. Oh, well, I I can't. I didn't know that. Well, that's even worse. Um, listen, I, I I think that's just I don't I don't see a point. Who cares? What's it go? Okay, okay. What information could 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 Ben Bishop provide the stars on the Sabers when he probably showed up for a physical, failed it, and went back home? What are the what information has Ben Bishop gathered from the Buffalo Sabers that could be a benefit to the Dallas Stars? A lot, a lot. You never know. Ah, you know, uh, they, you have to pay for drinks in the vending machines in the locker room. You know, I mean, Dallas, you should out. really hey. pay your young guys. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey, hi. Oh, maybe oh. he'll be an inside plant for, and be like, yo, in Tampa, we take bridge contracts, then we get paid. Um, yeah, take a three-year deal, win a cup, and then get eight years on an even better contract somehow because uh, Florida tax, or lack of Florida tax. Okay, that's actually it now. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um. Yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you for listening. Check out the TikTok. People love the TikTok. I love the TikTok. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our personals as well. All that kind of stuff. Um. Yeah. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>